communion together and you'll be very welcome that's half past six but but from now on all those services will be at greenfields whatever it says in the program once we get to may and i do a new program it will be correct but we changed it in the middle okay so tonight it's not here it's at greenfields um kindle is for secondary school children uh it's elim i think it's on saturday it's seven o'clock there's a live lounge they're thinking about who i am counts so if you know anyone who might want to go to that please pass on the message Ladies, you still have time to get uh, your bookings in. There's Monday the 6th, Tuesday the 7th of March for your um, evening or morning. And um, Sandra got in too late for the notices. I'd already done them by the time she came and spoke to me. But it's called The Good Good Father. The reason she got excited about that is because of this new song we're singing, which we're singing again this morning. So if you connect with that song, this would be a good thing to go into, ladies. And then, of course, you've got the summer one if you haven't signed up, or September one. I think that's still open to you. Then, of course, it's the clothes swap on the 13th of March, which I can confidently assert I will not be attending. I like my clothes. Thank you very much. I have to swap them with you. But if you want to go along, you can do, and you can raise money for Down syndrome. Well, let's be honest, Mary. You're not going to wear my jacket, are you? I mean, like... No, no, there you go, you see. Anyway, it's Raising Money for Down Syndrome Charity, and you'd be very welcome, of course, if you've got clothes you want to get rid of and swap and so on. Shedding Dean Baptist Church uh, are building a building, which is a great step for them. And in order to raise some money, they're they're putting on a concert. You're very welcome today, Sepka. And um, Trisha, where is she hiding? There she is. I missed her in the first service and I missed you in the second. She loved it so much she came twice. Yeah, you weren't listening, were you, Trish? No, 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 no. It's good to be here. I love this story. Guess how much I love you. Little nut-brown hair who was going to bed held on tight to big nut-brown hair's very long ears. He wanted to be sure that nut-brown hair was listening. Guess how much I love you, he said. Oh, I don't think I could guess that, said big nut-brown hair. This much, said little nut-brown hair, stretching out his arms as wide as they would go. Big nut brown hair had even longer arms. But I love you this much, he said. Hmm, that is a lot, thought little nut brown hair. I love you as high as I can reach, said little nut brown hair. I love you as high as I can reach, said big nut brown hair. That is quite high, thought little nut brown hair. I wish I had arms like that. Then little nut brown hair had a good idea. He tumbled upside down and reached up the tree trunk with his feet. I love you all the way up to my toes, he said. And I love you all the way up to your toes, said big nut brown hair, swinging him over his head. I love you as high as I can hop, laughed little nut brown hair, bouncing up and down. But I love you as high as I can hop, smiled Big Nut Brown Hair. And he hopped so high that his ears touched the branches above. 
That's good hopping, thought little nut brown hare. I wish I could hop like that. I love you all the way down the lane as far as the river, cried little nut brown hare. I love you across the river and over the hills, said big nut brown hare. That's very far, thought little nut brown hare. It was almost too sleepy to think anymore. Then he looked beyond the thorn bushes out into the dark night. Nothing could be further than the sky. I love you right up to the moon, he said, and closed his eyes. Oh, that's far, said Big Nut Brown Hair. That is very far. Big Nut Brown Hair settled Little Nut Brown Hair into his bed of leaves. He leaned over and kissed him good night. Then he lay down close by and whispered with a smile, I love you right up to the moon. And back. Last time I read that story, somebody went into town and bought me this. It sits on my desk. I have a key ring on my keys, which is in the drawer of my office, which Megan gave me. And it has those words written on it to remind me every day, I love you to the moon and back. It's great when we read that story or when we hear those words, especially when those words are spoken to us. The Bible says it in a slightly different way, but it says the same thing. God gives his magnificent best for people just like you and me. God gives his magnificent best in his extraordinary creation. God gives himself to a tiny nation called Israel so that they might become the most magnificent people. God gave his Ten Commandments, magnificent Ten Commandments, so that they could live in the most magnificent way. God rescued his people in a most magnificent way from their capture in Egypt. God gave them his most magnificent provision every day for 40 years as they wandered in the wilderness. God never tired of them or gave up on them because his most magnificent love sought them at every turn. He gave them a magnificent land flowing with milk and honey even though it was slightly later than he'd really planned. Every time they rebelled, he reached to them with his most magnificent love. Every time they chose a different path, God gave them a prophet to say, there is a most magnificent way. It's here. Come this way. When they were weak, his most magnificent love was strong. When they chose the path of exile, God's magnificent love rescued them and brought them back. When the people gave only blemished sacrifices, his magnificent love waited, longing, hoping. And in his most magnificent way, God made a better way. He waited, he longed, he hoped, he wooed, he loved, and he reached 
And in his magnificent love, he came to us. On an ordinary night, to an ordinary young couple, without fanfare, and before no one of any great significance, in a little-known town round the back of an ordinary house, the most magnificent king of the universe left his magnificent home in heaven and came to be with us. A most, the most extraordinary gift in the most ordinary way, but a most, the most magnificent God to the most ordinary of people. Because his most magnificent love never stops loving, waiting, hoping, reaching, giving. And his most magnificent love goes on giving. His most magnificent love chooses you. His most magnificent love welcomes you. His most magnificent love rescues you. His most magnificent love invites you to the best way to live. His most magnificent love forgives you. His most magnificent love provides for you every day. His most magnificent grace extends to you. God lavishes his most magnificent love on you. God has given his most magnificent best for you.
rejected and alone like a rose trampled on the ground you took the fall and thought of me above all so perhaps now in the light of all this we are ready to hear what the teacher wants to say to us this morning Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 1 guard your steps when you go to the house of God go near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong do not be quick with your mouth do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin, and do not protest to the temple messenger, my vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, fear God. Perhaps another way of saying those words would be this. Undivided God seeks undivided worshippers. Undivided God seeks undivided worshippers. How is your heart this morning, friends? In the light of God's most magnificent love, how is your heart? When Moses was preparing the people to go into the land that God had promised to give to them, he said this, and I'm reading from Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning... At verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today, and that's the ones he just gave them in the chapter before, which we call the Ten Commandments. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What God desires most are those whose hearts are fully turned towards him. So when you come to worship, how is your heart? The teacher asks the same question. The teacher has been challenging the illusion that so many people live. The teacher has been saying that if you live in this illusion, life is in fact meaningless. The teacher has been saying that if we live here in this illusion, then everything we do 
is simply a chasing after the wind. The teacher is helping us to strip away this illusion so that we can, in fact, live extraordinary, ordinary lives. The teacher says that life is a gift, a most gracious gift given by a most magnificent, generous and loving God. And the teacher is now going to challenge our response. The teacher recognises that God's heart is fully turned towards his people and the teacher wants us to invite us to have our hearts fully turned towards God. And the teacher has some challenging advice as we gather for worship. Now this is going to sound like an obvious thing to say, but you may have noticed that chapter 5 follows chapter 4. Yeah, well, there's a reason for that. Because in chapter 4, it becomes clear, as we learned last week, that if you look at the world from a human point of view, all you see is toil and oppression and the tears of those who are crushed with no one to comfort them. It's actually quite depressing, wasn't it, last week, if you remember? Not all of it, some of it. Human wisdom can only take you so far. And it cannot make good the things we see under the sun. So in chapter 5, the teacher is going to cast the light of hope into the gloom. The teacher says that what is critical for us is to listen. Not to human wisdom, but to God, for God is speaking. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 1, Guard your steps when you go to the house of God, go near to listen, rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools who do not know what they do wrong. Friends, we are extraordinarily privileged, in my opinion, in this church, by the quality of those who lead us in worship and those who speak. And remember, I will say only that of which I am convinced. So what follows is what I am convinced of. We are extraordinarily privileged in this church by the quality and ability and creativity of the musicians who aid us in worship week by week. And they're always different, you notice that, but aren't they fantastic? Every week. We are extraordinarily privileged in this church by the commitment and dedication and sensitivity. You, those who operate the PA and the AV, who are sitting up there and hiding now, but you don't even notice unless something accidentally goes wrong, which occasionally it does, because we're all human. Now, last week, you probably didn't even notice that somebody was operating the AV for the first time in this church. Did you notice that? No. You know why you didn't notice it? Because it was as good as it ever was. My best guess is you didn't say thank you either, did you? Otherwise you'd know that there was somebody new up there. So maybe it's good to go and say thank you to these people. We are privileged in the church that we have such good, challenging musical services week by week, yet. Yet the teacher says that if that's all there is, if that is all there is, it is in truth a chasing after the wind. Because that's all human stuff. Now, I'm often misunderstood. (laughs) At least I think I am. And one of the things that I think people misunderstand me on is things like, that people think I don't like things like the Big Church Day Out or Soul Survivor and stuff like that. That's not quite true. This is my concern. 
You can have the biggest, best setup ever with people coming from all over the world. You can pay lots of money to go. It can be musically brilliant, um, digitally fantastic. But if that's all it is, then it is in fact a chasing after the wind. And we need to guard our steps. When you come to worship, when you come to church, what, what are you doing? The teacher says some people who come are in fact fools. And here's a challenging question. Could it be that you are one of the fools the teacher is talking about? Well, how would you know if you're a fool? The teacher says that you're a fool if you come with a divided heart. It might happen like this. Coming to church has become so familiar to you that you don't notice God anymore. Oh, you have a lovely conversation with everybody else and you speak to all the people you set out to speak to before you got here and you gave all the little notes you wanted to give but you missed God. The things you do and say when you're in church don't match the things you do and say when you're not in church. When you come, you don't really think you're going to learn anything because after all, you've been coming a long time and you have in fact figured out that Ian only really says one thing because you've pretty much got it all sorted anyway. When you go to church, you never really listen because your mind is full of much more important things. The fool is the one who plays these games with God, the teacher says. Looks great on the outside, but has nothing really to do with the heart. And the teacher is asking you, how is your heart? Here's another way of asking the question. In the light of everything you know about God and his most magnificent love, or I could say, in the light of everything you have already sung and already heard today, how do you come to worship? One of the challenges of chapter 4 was the damage that is caused by the worship of wealth and self-advancement. If you go back and look at it, you'll see it's in the text. Because what it does is it causes envy, and envy destroys relationships. Chapter 5 sets true worship, which is a heart fully turned towards God, against false worship, a divided heart. Jesus says you can't serve two masters, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. If you really want to love God on your neighbour, you simply cannot love wealth, success, achievement, advancement, or getting what I want. So the teacher asks, how are you doing? The teacher says that God cares about your heart more than you will ever know. And the teacher's advice is one word. Listen. 
Someone once said to me, you are either listening or waiting to talk. And the more I thought about that, the more I realised how much I failed to listen. So I got, I got my reply all worked out. You are either listening or waiting to talk. In the light of God's magnificent love, be ready to listen. That's what the teacher says. God speaks, and he is speaking to you. Verse 2. Do not be quick with your mouth. Do not be hasty in your heart to utter anything before God. God is in heaven and you are on earth, so let your words be few. A dream comes when there are many cares, and many words mark the speech of a fool. One commentator, commentating on these verses, says that a heart attentive to God multiplies neither toil nor words. A heart attentive to God multiplies neither toil nor words. So the teacher asks, how's your heart? A heart fully turned towards God will also take verses 4 to 7 seriously. The teacher says simply, when you do speak to God, tell the truth. You don't need to dress it up in flowery spiritual language. Just be honest. Just tell the truth. I've heard a number of people say to me in the past, you know, oh, I can't pray out loud because I, I don't have the right words. That, that's, I'm afraid, a non-starter in God's economy. All you have to do is tell the truth. That's all God wants. He doesn't want flowery spiritual language that might impress the person three down the road from you. He just wants you to tell the truth. Don't make promises to God you have no intention of keeping. Just tell the truth. A heart fully turned toward God has no need to make a vow because what you see is what you get. So the teacher asks, how is your heart? The teacher exhorts us to stand in awe of God, or in the version I read, therefore fear God means the same thing. The teacher understands that life is complex, messy, unpredictable, and sometimes tragic. The teacher says God fully understands that. The teacher says that God wants to speak to his people, though in all and every circumstance. The teacher says we must examine ourselves, but we must fully trust in the magnificence of God's love and his word. And his word is a gift given to us. So friends, hold on to his word with all your heart. So friends, in the light of all you know about God's most magnificent love for you, in the light of all you know of the most magnificent things that he has done for you, how is your heart? The teacher 
would love the truth contained in this beautiful story. A Jewish couple had a son after many years of trying, and he was a great joy to them. They named him Mordecai, but he became quite a challenge for them. They were pious Jews, and Mordecai was a rambunctious, zestful boy who had a love for life. When he was old enough, his parents sent him to the synagogue to learn the word of God. They stressed to him how important it was to learn God's word, and that without it, knowledge, sorry, without knowledge of it, his life would be less. He listened to them, but the next day he never arrived at the synagogue. Instead, he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake and climbing the trees. By the time he got home, news of his antics had spread throughout the entire village and everyone knew of his shame. His parents were at a loss what to do. They called in an expert to modify Mordecai's behaviour. But the next day he found himself in the woods, swimming in the lake and climbing the trees. His parents grieved for their son and felt there was simply no hope for him. As it happened, the great rabbi was visiting the village and the parents of Mordecai went to him in desperation. He said, leave him with me and I will have a talk with him. Unsure and ashamed, they left him with the rabbi. Mordecai faced the great rabbi trembling. He beckoned the boy to come to him and then simply and gently picked him up and held him silently to his heart. The next day Mordecai went to the synagogue and when he had finished went to the woods, swam in the lake and climbed the trees. Only this time, as he walked in the woods, the word of God became one with the words of the woods, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And as he swam in the lake, the words of God became one with the words of the lake, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And as he climbed the trees, the words of God became one with the words of the trees, which became one with the words of Mordecai. And Mordecai grew to become a great man. People who were seized with panic came to him and found peace. People who were without anybody came to him and found communion. People who had no exits came to him and found a way out. And when people came to him, he said, I first learned the words of God when the great rabbi held me silently against his heart. Friends, walking in love is being held silently against the heart of the God who loves you because he loves you because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you, because he loves you. If you want to live an extraordinary, ordinary life, then allow yourself to be held to the heart of God. Let his words become your words. Let his thoughts become your thoughts. Let his ways become your ways. Let the things he hears become the things you hear. Let the things he sees become the things you see. Let the things he seeks become the things you seek. Let the things he loves become the things you love. Let his life become your life. Let his heart become your heart. Amen.